Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. As I was preparing these programs on the book of Joshua, there was this phrase that I found in the 15th verse of Joshua chapter 3 that kind of jumped out at me. Let me, let me read it for you. And the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. Now, I'll admit this might not initially appear as something spectacular. In fact, it probably appears rather mundane, especially in a story which is otherwise stirring with such passionate drama. In fact, I probably ought to confess that for all the times I've read this passage, I've never paid much attention to it before. But I think there's a clue here as to what faith really means. And the more intently I read it, the more powerfully this phrase spoke to me. Now, the reference, of course, is to the Israelites triumphantly crossing across the Jordan into the Promised Land. Now, no doubt they had gotten a glimpse of it here and there as they made their way north through the mountains of Moab. But now, at long last, this vast territory they will soon call home, ever becoming with the hope of a life anew, is right there in front of them. All of the hardships and the heartaches that they've endured, all of the struggles, all of the setbacks they've encountered, all of the promises and possibilities they've envisioned have ultimately led to this moment. It's a day that many in the crowd had dreamed of since early childhood. Some, some may have wondered, would they ever even cross it? Would they ever even live to see the crossing? And finally, the joyous occasion they so eagerly and anxiously anticipated has arrived. Standing there on the embankment, Joshua slowly surveys the landscape and then turning toward the people with firm resolve and boldly he issues these marching orders. Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, and the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Now, you need to realize that for most of the year, the Jordan isn't much of a river. Some commentators have even described it being more of a meandering ditch. Now, indeed, given what is known of this general area, 
you know, scaling the steep inclines on either side of the Ark of the Covenant upon their shoulders might actually have been a greater miracle for the Israelite priests than crossing the river itself. However, in the late spring, during the harvest season, the waters suddenly swell with the winter rains and the melting snow, making the Jordan a raging flood. At some points, more than a mile wide. And it is across such a river that these people must venture. It isn't an insurmountable obstacle to be sure, but keep in mind that for a good many years, the Israelites had occupied the desert. I mean, a sandstorm, yeah, they could easily handle that. A swarming nest of scorpions wouldn't even make them flinch. But water, water frightened them. For the Israelites, crossing this river will prove every bit as challenging as eventually conquering those enemies who inhabit the land beyond it. Among other things, walking into these waters means overcoming their greatest fear. And perhaps even more importantly, placing their greatest faith in Yahweh. So you can almost imagine the priests pausing as they draw ever closer, all the while apprehensively looking over at Joshua to see what is he going to do. I mean, when the Hebrew slaves traveled through the Red Sea, Moses at least pointed a staff and commanded the waters to part. But this scene is different. Joshua just seems to stand there nodding for them to move on ahead. In fact, it is only after the priests actually step into the rushing current, you know, feeling the mud oozing up between their toes, are the waters restrained. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. It's almost as, as if, you know, before the miracle can take place, the Israelites must take the first step. And when you get right down to it, I mean, that's really what faith is all about, isn't it? Taking the first step, wading out into uncharted waters and, and getting your feet wet. Maybe to put it another way, faith is not some abstract truth we learn from a creed. Faith, it's something you have to enter into before you can fully appreciate it. You know, too often to me, it seems that we regard faith as something we encounter, you know, here and there instead of something we can experience here and now. You know, not long ago, someone remarked to me that she was having a difficult time and, and, she, and somehow she needed to find the faith to keep going. Now, I understand perfectly what she meant, of course. But what struck me about her statement is that she spoke of faith as a possession, that it's something she needed to find rather than a process. Faith is never something we grasp. It's something that grasps us, ever awakening from within the possibilities of God's promises. If you will... When, if we, let me put it this way, if we come to believe 
in the Almighty's love, in the same manner we are assured that the sun has risen, not only because we see it, because by it we are able to see everything else. That's how faith is. Faith, faith is always more lifting our hands to God than placing our hands on God. Now, some of you may be familiar with this Jewish legend that tells of two brothers who were in the flour milling business together. Now, one of the brothers was single. The other brother had a wife and children. But they were partners. So at the end of every day, the surplus fat flour was divided equally between them. Each brother would take his share of the flour and store it in his barn. Well, after several months of doing so, however, the brother who was single said to himself, you know, this arrangement really isn't all that fair. I mean, my brother has a wife and he has children to feed and, and take care of, and while I have no one, it's not right for us to split the surplus 50-50. And so not wanting to embarrass his brother, he began every night to take some flour out of his own barn under the cover of darkness and place it in his brother's barn. Ironically, it was about this same time that his brother said to himself, well, this arrangement really isn't all that fair. I mean, I have the blessing of a wife and children to take care of me when I'm old, but my brother has no one, so not wanting to embarrass his brother, he also began to take flour out of his own barn under the cover of darkness and place it in his brother's barn. Each night they did this, and always amazed in the morning that an apparent miracle had happened because the level of flour never went down in their respective barns. Well, one night the inevitable happened. They met in the darkness. Each carrying a sack of flour. Realizing what had been taking place all along and overwhelmed by the even more profound miracle of their mutual love and concern for one another, they embraced with tears of joy. Now, isn't that a beautiful story? To a great extent, it's a story about love, but I think at a deeper level, it's also a story about faith. Because before the miracle of God's blessing can take place, each brother must take their first step. In other words, what constitutes faith in this story is not so much a belief about God's grace as a movement towards that grace. And there is that same dynamic quality of movement in this scripture passage. After all, the Jordan River doesn't stop flowing until the Israelite priests have already waded up to their ankles. And maybe that's the point. Perhaps faith means getting your feet wet first. For it is only in reaching out to God that it finally becomes possible for the Almighty to take hold of us. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. Now, 
you know as well as I do that there's more to it than that. Like it or not, taking that first step is never easy. There are always risks involved whenever one ventures out into uncharted waters. C.S. Lewis says as much when he writes, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you're merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? Only a real risk tests the reality of a belief. Well, for the Israelite priests, carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the rushing currents of the Jordan requires more than simply taking the first step. It's a test of their belief. It is, so to speak, a final exam consisting of one question. Do they trust that Yahweh will provide the means necessary to complete this journey? And perhaps this tiny phrase is meant to provide us with the answer. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. Some time ago, I read the story of a missionary returning stateside who had a two-day layover in Germany during the early years of the Nazi occupation. It was late December, and while out walking, he happened to make his way through a Jewish ghetto. Appalled by the poverty he saw there, he took what funds he had and sent it on and spent it on chocolates and and all sorts of Christmas presents, if you will, for the children who were there in the ghetto, who had all but been forgotten and could not remember what it was like to laugh or even smile. When he telephoned home for more money in order to travel on to the States, his superiors frankly found the request incredulous. You did what? I bought chocolates for the children, the missionary said. It's Christmas after all. But they're Jewish. They don't celebrate Christmas. Well, I know that, insisted the missionary, but they're still children. And children like chocolate. For God's sake, man, they're not even Christians. And there was a long pause. And finally, the old missionary answered, yes, but I am. You see, part of faith is practicing what we profess despite the costs. Sharing the love we've been shown regardless of the risks. Extending to others the compassion we ourselves have experienced even when there is no certainty of the outcome. As Christians, we may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, and that knowledge gives us the courage to take that first step, trusting that we will be supplied with the strength to face whatever challenges lie ahead. And to be sure, 
It is frequently a journey without maps. However, as any sailor will attest, when the river is wide and the waters are raging, you don't need a map as much as you need an anchor. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. He leadeth me over blessed fire. If you're a churchgoer, I'm sure you've sung that gospel hymn, He Leadeth Me. It's based on the 23rd Psalm. It was written in the spring of 1862 by a Baptist pastor named Joseph Gilmore. At the time, he was a supply preacher. And as is often the case with supply preachers, he and his wife were occasionally invited to dinner by members of the church. And one particular evening, while waiting for the meal, Gilmore happened to scribble down the words of this hymn and then handed them to his wife and thought no more of it. Well, she liked the words, however, and unbeknownst to her husband, she submitted them to a magazine. Halfway across the country, a man by the name of William Bradbury, a composer by trade, who already had to his credit hymns like Jesus Loves Me, so he sees the words and he puts them to music. Well, three years pass, Joseph Gilmore is now interviewing for the position of pastor at the Second Baptist Church in Rochester, New York. He has already prepared his first sermon, but suddenly it occurs to him that he's not yet picked out hymns. So deciding that it might be best to select hymns that were familiar to the congregation, Gilmore ventures out into the sanctuary, picks up a hymnal, opens it. He opens it to the very words he had written long ago and completely forgotten. Now let me ask you, how did he get this inspiring hymn? I mean, who should really get the credit? Gilmore wrote the words. His wife submitted them to the magazine, but Bradbury put them to music. And God? Where is God in all of this? Well, it seems to me that God is leading all the way. Gilmore, his wife, Bradbury, they each take tiny steps of faith. But it is the Almighty who actually completes the journey. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, even death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. It has been said that faith is always better understood as a verb than a noun. But if you ask me, it's actually more of a participle. That is, something you need to keep doing. At the very least, faith can ill afford to be treated leisurely or worse still, at one's convenience. It's not a window shopping activity. You can't find it in a book. You can't learn it from a class. You 
can't put it on a shelf and rush to retrieve it when the waters come crashing in upon you. You have to enter into an experience and experience it. And of course, part of entering in, well, means taking that first step. It means overcoming one's fears and doubts. Even when there are risks involved in doing so. It means trusting that the same God who has brought you this far will be able to work through your faith and lead you safely to the other shore. And who knows? Maybe like the Israelite priests, it might even require us to get our feet wet first. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love and your kindness and your mercy to each one of us. Father, I pray that we may experience faith. Take that first step. Any viewer that is in doubt right now, may they just step out and get their feet wet and experience the reality of our God and our Creator. Thank you for loving us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, we've come to that point in our program where we have our special offer. Each and every week, we like to extend an offer, a, a book, a, a magazine, a resource, if you will, to help you on this spiritual journey that we are all on and hopefully help us develop the courage to take that first step to wade out into those waters. Uh, today is no exception. We have a, a little booklet, a book called Experiencing God's Love. Uh, we'd love to send this book to you as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. Uh, the book will arrive in your home, postage paid. We don't expect anything from you on that. Uh, that uh, outside the fact that you read the book and enjoy it and hopefully it will give you some practical lessons to just to make your journey a little bit more meaningful. Now, we have volunteers. We're going to get you the information in a second that you need in order to request your book. We have volunteers that take our call. We sometimes get more calls than we have capacity to handle. So if you happen to get the voicemail, do us a favor. Leave us your mailing address on the voicemail. That makes things way easier for us. Some of you just call and leave a number and expect a call back. And we do, but that takes so much time. So if you get the voicemail, leave your mailing address enunciate it clearly, and we'll make sure that the, the gift gets out to you. If you've requested a book in the past and it still hasn't come, it may have just been just fallen through the cracks, send me an email or reach out to us through our website and, uh, and we'll get that, that resource out to you, okay? So this resource, Experiencing God's Love, is available right now. If you'd like to request it, pay close attention the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G, 
1-800-242-0083 and we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you watching each week, and, and if you could help us out you, by letting your friends know about the program, encouraging them to tune in also so we can build our viewer base. Uh, to help you with that, we have some things that can facilitate that. We have our website, uh, l4ltv.com. All of the previous programs are accessible through the website. You can find a study group if you're interested in Bible study. You can contact us through the website and uh, I can hook you up with a group close to you that is studying. That is a group that we know, our good, solid, Bible-based study group. We can help you with that. Also, we have a section there where, called Archive Sermons where I have different lectures that I've given around the country on you know, topics, things like you know, perplexing questions, we call them. When will the world end? How will the world end? What happens to us when we die? Who or what is 666? You can check those out. There's a study guide you can download and use that as a resource and, you know, in increasing your understanding of, of Scripture. There's also a tab on the L4LTV.com website that is Donate Today. You can go on that tab and you can send a donation in uh, by credit card, by Interact Debit. We are a charitable organization, so every donation you make is eligible for a tax-deductible receipt for income tax purposes. And so... If you feel so impressed to do so, we would appreciate the vote of confidence through a financial donation. Now, just I want you to know that every donation that comes gets put right back into the ministry, paying for airtime, you know, studio time, paying for the gifts, you know, the postage on the gifts we send out. None of that comes to me or my family directly in any way in terms of a salary or any kind of financial benefit that way. We reinvest all of those resources right back in the ministry to keep the ministry on the air. Uh, in terms of social media, follow me on Instagram. Every morning, put out a one-minute devotional video. Great way to start the day. And that's Santos underscore Bill. You can like our Facebook page. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow me on Twitter. You can, uh, right after this program, you can go on SoundCloud. You can download an audio version of the program. You can take that with you and listen to the program at your convenience. All of those are available to help you get more out of our broadcast. One quick thing before we go, we have another aspect of our ministry, which is our overseas humanitarian work. That is through a, a part of our ministry called Mission Now Canada. We have a website, missionnowcanada.com. We are doing some exciting things in the Philippines and Paraguay and Nicaragua. If 
you want to be a part of that, either joining us on a mission trip or financially supporting some of those projects, visit missionnowcanada.com. We are rapidly running out of time. We hope to do this again soon. I'm praying that you will join us. Until then, God bless you. We'll see you back here.